welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning. The last time I had an opportunity to speak to you, I began my uh, message with a video clip from the TV show Fixer Upper. And um, after the service, someone came up to me and said my daughter was visiting and when the video started, she, she poked me and said, something's wrong. There's a TV show showing on the screens. <laughs> so before we play a little video I have for you, I, I thought I'd give a little background. Since Pastor Rick announced his retirement and then um, we bid him farewell four months ago, we've been encouraged to intentionally pray for our church both for CPC during this time of transition, but also we've been encouraged to pray for whoever God has for us for our our next pastor. And over the last two months, our theme for our Sunday morning services has been all about Jesus. This morning, I'd like to focus both on what Jesus had to say about prayer and how he embraced prayer himself. Prayer, praying, involves talking to God, conversing with him, Sometimes it involves coaxing or pleading with God. I have a hunch that we've all prayed a prayer that starts like this. Oh God, just this once. I really need this. I promise I'll never ask again, but if you could just come through for me. Or perhaps your prayer is, Lord, if you'll just answer this prayer, I promise I'll go to Africa as a missionary. And I've had a hunch that we've all heard or experienced really awkward prayers, sort of like this one from the movie Meet the Parents, when the character played by Ben Stiller is asked to say grace at um, a, a dinner where he's with his girlfriend's parents for the first time. Turn your attention to the screens and watch this. <laughs> awkward? Indeed. Hilarious? Oh, yes. I once heard a friend, I'll call her Anne, she was a fairly new Christian, and she prayed the sweetest prayer. And when she closed, she said, yours truly, Anne. (laughs) And you know, I'm sure we've probably heard some incredibly eloquent prayers. A very long time ago, I worked as the administrative assistant for the president of a seminary. And once a week, at 7.30 in the morning, there was a prayer meeting for the faculty and staff. And so we would meet, and we'd sit in a circle, and we'd pray around the circle. And I would be sitting between professors with doctorates in theology. Needless to say, although I was initially intimidated, I learned that the prayers in that room were horizontal, designed to impress each other. They were vertical, and all I had to do was pray to Jesus, to no one else in the room, and that was all I was supposed to do. This morning, I don't want anyone to feel bad for not praying, and it wouldn't work anyway. (laughs) Rather, let's focus on two aspects of prayer related to praying with Jesus. First, let's recognize the fact that Jesus prayed. He, how did he pray? Or another question might be, why did Jesus pray? After all, if Jesus is God, why did Christ need to pray? From a theological point of view, there are a couple of reasons. First, through the incarnation, Jesus was God becoming man. Jesus had a both divine and human nature. 
As the eternal Son of God, Jesus prayed out of his divinity. Being one with the Father, there was no reason that we should be surprised that the Son communicated with the Father. Jesus also prayed out of his humanity as he modeled for us what dependence on the Father looks like. And second, Jesus prayed as an example to his followers so they could follow in his footsteps. The truth is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they prayed, and so did their disciples. But prayer was never just a religious responsibility or an exercise Christ engaged in because he was obligated to do so. His manner and his attitude in prayer saturated his total being and living. His every step and action reflected his relationship and his dependence on the Father. So how did Jesus pray? Let's dive into the life of Jesus to see the various times and ways Jesus prayed. First of all, he prayed for others. In Matthew 19, 13, we read, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Despite the fact that the disciples rebuked those who brought them, Jesus said the children should not be sent away, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In John 17, 9, Jesus said, Pray for them. Pardon me, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Even on the cross, Jesus prayed for others, and he asked God to forgive those who were crucifying him. Jesus prayed with others. Luke 9.28 reads, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. But Jesus also prayed alone, and he prayed frequently. Luke 5.16 reads, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. As much as Jesus understood the value of praying with and for others, he also understood the need to pray alone. Sometimes it's important for us to just be still with God. But only the way to do this, especially in our hectic culture, is to do so alone with God. The verse also tells us that Jesus did pray frequently. Jesus prayed in nature. Psalm 19.1 reads, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. What better place to commune with our Creator than among the wonders of nature? Luke 16.12 says, One of those days Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray. There were times when Jesus made the decision to pray where he was, and often that was outside. I can't begin to count the number of times that I've been sitting on a bench, looking out, of, out over a cloudless crystal blue sky, or gazing at and enjoying a beautiful sunset, and it's prompted me to pray. Jesus prayed both as a sprinter and as a marathon runner. The Lord's Prayer is full of wisdom. It's short enough that we can memorize it. But Jesus also knew that he needed to dedicate long periods of time to prayer. As we read in Luke 6, 12, Jesus spent the night praying to God. And the prayers of Jesus were heartfelt. Jesus did not pray in a cold and distant manner, but with sincerity, his prayers demonstrating empathy and genuine love for his Father and his followers. In John 17, Jesus prays for himself, his immediate disciples, as well as for all believers. As a matter of fact, the whole chapter of John 17 is Jesus' final prayer before he was arrested. In verse 20, Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are you, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus prayed based on the knowledge of God and his truths. In John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. We confidently pray as we understand that God is personal. He listens to our prayers and he indeed acts on our behalf. Jesus prayed persistently. In Luke 18.1, I read, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The parable Jesus shared was intended to depict, not to depict a pestering disciple who finally bugs God enough that he chooses to respond, but about determination in prayer and then waiting for God and his timing. Jesus recognized that not all our prayers are answered as expected. This is a tough lesson to learn, and I'm sure that we all can relate. Jesus even recognized this as he cried out to the Father from, the, from Gethsemane in Matthew. Three times Jesus prayed for God to allow an easier path than the cross. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And three times Jesus continued, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is probably the most significant lesson to learn from Jesus' prayer life. God is in charge. The writer J.I. Packer got it precisely right. He wrote, if you're a Christian, you pray. And the recognition of God's sovereignty is the basis of your prayers. As we're completely confident that God is powerful and that he is in control, we go to him in prayer entrusting our lives into his hands. So over here we've looked at aspects of Jesus' prayer life. Let's shift our focus right now and look at some guidelines that Jesus gave his followers about how they should pray and how they should not pray. Jesus was very direct in the manner and motivation of our prayers. Let's take a look at four of them. Pray with humility and sincerity. In Matthew 6, 5 through 6, Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He echoes the same sentiment in Luke 18. As he tells the parable, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Jesus said, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be, be exalted. In both of these passages, Jesus is cautioning 
against pride and performance in prayer. Third, Jesus said to pray before important decisions. In Luke 6, 12 and 13, Jesus went out into the hills to pray. All night he prayed to God. We then read, and when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. It seems likely that Jesus was praying for wisdom as he had a decision to make. He was about to select the 12 apostles from his many disciples. There are so many times when we must prayerfully seek the Holy Spirit's direction when we're making significant decisions. Pray for others, particularly your enemies. Oh my goodness, really? Yes, in Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus said, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Ah, but I say to you, I say to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the last one is pray with confidence. A couple years ago, I had family and friends over for a New Year's Eve party, and I made pizzuki. That's a chocolate chip cookie that you make on a pizza pan. So I had put it in the oven, set the timer, and wasn't really paying attention to it, and it was in another room. One of the kids came to me quietly and said, Dorothy, there's a situation in the kitchen. So I walked in the kitchen. Oh, was there a situation? There was smoke billowing out of the oven. So I immediately started yelling for help, and I grabbed some baking soda out of the cupboard to try to extinguish the flamey cookie on the bottom of the oven. Now, I might add that I doubled the recipe, but I didn't double the size of the pizza pan. So you might think, what's that got to do with prayer? Well, you know, we don't approach God saying, oh, God, I've got this situation. We are to speak boldly to him. God, Jesus said to seek, to knock, to ask. Throughout the New Testament, we have so many examples of praying with confident assurance. And why should we be so bold? We aren't praying to impersonal force. We're to talk to God as our loving Father, just as we sang this morning. We come to as a child, encouraged. He has a Father's heart who loves and understands us. We confidently come to him as a person who is intimately more concerned about us than we could ever possibly be concerned about ourselves. But there's one thing to remember. We can make requests to our Father in heaven but there's a difference between praying boldly and then making demands on God. God is also the creator of the universe, and he doesn't take orders from us. So where are we right now? So far, we've looked at how Jesus prayed and guiding principles he taught us and how we should pray. It's our turn to turn our attention to the best part of prayer, the results of prayer. Or more personally, how does prayer benefit my life? The Bible is just full of promises. Let's see, if I hurry, I can get through all 217 of them. <laughs> Although there are lots, let's focus on just four. Prayer alleviates worry and anxiety. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 11:28 to come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Prayer keeps us from temptation. We're reminded of this in 1 Corinthians 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. 
And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. Prayer is our power source to keep us from sin. Prayer produces peace. In Philippians 4, we're encouraged, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If ever we need this reminder to let go and let God, this definitely confirms God's intervention when we pray. Prayers are answered. Remember what was read earlier? Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask, seek, knock, and it will be open for you. Anyone who asks receives, and the one who asks find, finds, and the one who knocks will be opened. Which one of you, if the son is bread, will give him a stone, and he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I think I just heard you all saying, wait just a minute. What about sincere, genuine, heartfelt prayers that are persistently prayed with confidence and the desired request is not granted? Despite many interviews, there are no job, job offers. Despite, be, despite fervent prayer, healing doesn't come. Despite a parent's consistent prayer for a son or daughter who is taking, making terrible life choices, there isn't a change of heart. Often there are times when we don't see answers to our prayers or the answer is not what we want. Have any of you been ever stuck in a waiting room? Or perhaps you are right now, waiting for answered prayer. Quite honestly, when this happens, we only have two choices. One could be to doubt God, question our faith, allow bitterness and resentment to overwhelm us. The other is quite the opposite. It involves a choice to trust God no matter what, to affirm our reliance on him. Jim Simbola, in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, writes, if we prevail in prayer, God will do what only he can do, how he does things, when he does them, and in what manner is up to him. Sometimes it really helps to remember times in the past when we have fervently prayed for something, and when it wasn't answered, we're very relieved, and it was a very good thing. Jesus does remind us that prayer is not a guarantee against suffering. In John 16, verse 33, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Another translation says, in this world you will have trouble. If the Apostle Paul were here right now, he'd be shouting a loud amen. He certainly had a lot of trouble. But of all, but just think of all we would miss if Paul had moped and whined when he found himself in prison because of his bold faith. Instead, what did Paul do? He took a pen and paper and he began to write. Philippians is one of my favorite New Testament books written from prison. Paul's words were incredibly inspirational. 
We've already looked at part of it in chapter 4, but a little further on in chapter, Paul writes, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul, too, had a couple of choices, misery or trust. He trusted, and he chose to write encouraging letters that we treasure 2,000 years later. And his words inspire us not to lose heart while we're waiting. May I share just one more suggestion related to prayer? Many years ago, actually 20, I heard a sermon on prayer, and the pastor talked about the fact how difficult it had been for him to concentrate when he prayed and focus. He said he easily found himself setting out to pray, but his mind would wander, and he'd be thinking about everything that he needed to get done. He acknowledged it wasn't until he began to write his prayers that they, his prayer life was transformed. Personally, I related big time. And so I made a decision, and I went out and bought a blank journal, and me, I began to write my prayers. I have filled a lot of journals. When I sit down to pray, I invite the Lord to glance over my shoulder as I write. One of the side effects to doing this is that I can go back and look and see the times when God has answered my prayer. Sometimes they've been yes, sometimes no, and sometimes not yet. As I bring this sermon in for a landing, remember, prayer is a relationship. We don't pray out of legalistic compulsion, but from humble hearts that realize our dependence on God in every single aspect of our lives. We simply communicate, worship, and we sincerely seek God, absolutely confident he hears us, he loves us, and he will respond. Let's pray. Father, it is comforting to know that as your children, we are able to talk to you, that you welcome our communication with you. Nothing in our lives is unknown to you. You are completely aware of it all. Jesus, as we've investigated your life and your teaching, may we be ever aware of how amazing it is that we can converse with you. May we nestle into your sovereignty confident that you are trustworthy and powerful. Remind us often that when we pray, we are putting our lives in your hands. I pray for those that are here this morning that we will catch a fresh glimpse of you and realize what an awesome privilege it is to carry everything to you in prayer. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.